We've been working our way through Romans. Paul has kind of got us now in a situation where we're talking about how Christians should live righteously every day. Um, we are, um, you know, last week we um, talked about, uh, you know, the marks of a true Christian, how we need to overcome um, evil with good. And now Paul is talking to the uh, Romans about submission to authorities. And um, reading, uh, if someone would read the first verses 1 through 7, I'd appreciate that. They're all, the whole chapter is short, so, but, uh, yes, one through seven to start with. Thank you. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who comes out God, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For the same reason, you also pay taxes for the authorities and ministers of God attending to this very thing. <clears throat> pay all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, let every person be subject to or obey the governing authorities. Now remember, he's writing to the Romans. This is the early part of Nero's rule. At this point, to the extent there was a good side and a bad side to Nero, we're in the good side. But being a Caesar, he was a Caesar. Um, they viewed themselves as God. And the emperor prior to uh, Nero was Caligula, and he had kicked the Jews out. He just absolutely was tired of them. And so when Paul sits and says, obey them, they probably sit and said, did we read that right? Because, you know, that's the last thing they would think that they needed to do. But he goes on to tell them, you know, it's their authority comes from God. And so you, they are there for a purpose. You know, even when Pilate was questioning Jesus, and Jesus, or trying to question him in some respects, and that Jesus just kind of stood there before him, and then, you know, he's being Pilate, made the comment, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, 
you would have no authority over me at all unless it has been given to you from above. So he's telling Pilate right there, you've only got the authority God gives you and allows you to have. So when Paul is now telling the Romans and really us that you know, the authority that the leaders have has been given them to by, by God. You know, they've been instituted by God. And so whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And so you go and you go, okay, have I got to obey all of them? Have I got to do what they tell me to do? Well, in Judges... Um, you know, the people have wanted leaders. They had leaders that they didn't like, and then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of those who plundered them and had authority over them, but then they turned the heads away from them. You know, they would go back and forth and doing what they wanted to. Um, in Hebrews um, chapter 11, 32 through 34, and what more shall I say to you? For would time... would for time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, and quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. So it was okay to do. Um, but it's not just any time you want to. And we have the case in Daniel. You know, this is one of those stories that uh, his children we heard. If you were like me, it was fun to say the names. Uh, we read them to you know, our children. But in chapter 3, um, we have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that Nebuchadnezzar had at the direction of some of his administrators and counselors, had dictated that, you know, at appointed times during the day, they everybody had to bow and worship the golden image. They didn't do that. They were told on. They were called before Nebuchadnezzar, given the choice. They said, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, their response was that they answered, O king, uh, and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. O king, but if not, be it known, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. It's okay what is being said there to dis you know, our obedience is first to God. And so when there's a disconnect, that's when we have to make the decision. But to obey civil authorities is that's what keeps society running. You know, I, I was thinking, okay, I could drive down Rocky Ridge, and if any of you have gone down parts of Rocky Ridge, you know, it's a nice, good 
curvy road that I guess if you had a Porsche, it would be, or a Lamborghini or something, it'd be fun to see how well it would be to go through some of those turns. But that's not safe. Those rules are in place for us to live with some connection, to maintain civility between us all. And so when we get away from that, just because I think I can drive 50 miles an hour through those curves, I can't, but if I did, then somebody's coming along and I either come up their rear end or I overturn or underturn and I hit them. Just straighten it out and go 70. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure on... Uh, My Jeep won't do that fast. Um, that can also get you in trouble. I remember one time saying that. I went to Atlanta and I was behind time and I had uh, Chris and Key who were, uh, you know, probably pre-teenage in the car and um, I got to Atlanta rather quickly. I mean, like the, the Buckhead area. And so sometime later they were with their mother going over there and they said, well, you need to go faster. I can't go faster. The speed limit's 70. Well, Daddy, I'll do 90. <laughs> Uh, that's not good. That's worse than civil authorities. <laughs> but, you know, the point is those rules are in place for a reason. And, you know, we have to listen and be attentive to those because that authority that they have does come from God. It's given to them. And, you know, we need to follow what they're saying. You know, we also have, and gets to it, I wrote down road rage. You know, what's happening now? People sometimes are trying to take the rules, the laws into their own hand. You know, they are trying to do, um, you know, to avenge for themselves. Now, that's where civil authorities come in. You know, that's part of what the civil law is, is to provide for punishment for those who do wrong. So... You know, if you're out there and you see something happening, it's not your position to um, take the vengeance, whether it's in road rage or something else. It's for the civil authorities to do. You know, you might be called upon to be a witness to what happened, and you don't need to, sh you know, shrink from that duty and that responsibility because what you're doing there is is that the authorities of is a, you know, a servant of God and can avenge those who do wrong. He's, he or she is the one that administers the punishment. You know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Well, it's how that gets carried out. So, you know, we have to participate in the process but not be judge and jury and do it. You know, and so we need, you know, therefore one must be subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. You know, we want to feel good about what we've done. And so if we're following the law and doing what the law calls for, the civil law or even God's law, then we should have a clear conscience and not, you know, I'm hiding it. And we'll get into a little bit uh, later on about doing in darkness and what we shouldn't be doing. Well, there we go. And then he talks about paying taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. 
you know, pay your taxes. I mean, that's what he's saying. What did Christ say when they tried to trick him with the coin? Pay unto Caesar what is Caesar's, pay unto God what is God's. Pay the taxes, pay the revenue, you know, pay for what you get. If, if you get something from the store, pay for it. Don't uh, take it away. Respect those who are in charge. Honor those who are due honor. You know, so it may be if you don't feel you like somebody, you still need to show respect to them. You know, you, you can have, you know, as a, we were talking about the military and how the colors were done and uh, who came out on which side of whatever it uh, what I guess the processional, where the who, what flags were in what order, that you know, thinking in the military, you may not like the general that's over you. You know, uh, I'm trying to think what it was in Patton, where you know, oh blood and guts, yeah, his guts, our bloods, or whatnot. You know, they didn't think a lot sometimes of what he did, but he got the job done. Um, you know, you so you show respect and honor to those that it's due, irrespective of how you might feel. But then if you feel as Christ would have you, um, you understand that you show that respect. Because they are there because God has put them there. Now there are some times that God also puts somebody uh, there that uh, may be as much as anything else to try to get your attention. Um, you know, the, Israel the Israelites, you know, were taken away, they were dispersed, all those sort of things, and sometimes God trying to get their attention, but they still needed to show respect for that authority. Because even, you know, going back to Daniel, he became one of the top administrators to Nebuchadnezzar. And even when he did, you know, didn't follow the rules and, um, you know, Nebuchadnezzar felt like he had to carry out the rules that he had dictated and couldn't turn back. But he threw Dan when he threw Daniel in the lion's den, he was waiting the next morning to see if Daniel would answer him. I mean, what did Joseph do when he was in Egypt? Here again, became the top minister because he, even though the Jews were brought there, somebody was put in place, they showed respect, they did as they were supposed to do and showed honor, and they gained opportunities from that. You know, talking about paying taxes, you know, you're telling the Roman citizens in this day and age, pay all the taxes that are due. Now, think about what the Roman Empire was like back then. A lot of them probably didn't appreciate where their taxes were going and how they were being used. Yeah, yeah, it's fine that we have the aqueducts bringing in water. We have good roads. But there were other things, you know, they didn't care about the big-time parties that were paid for with their dollars. But he's telling them to pay the taxes that are due. Um, not paying what you want to pay, but what is called for. Yeah. Pay what is owed. Do what you're supposed to do. Um, in spite of how it may go, how it might happen. Um, There's a lesson for tax season. Yeah. <laughs> Corporate taxes are due, returns are due tomorrow without extension, and then we have a month, and we get to pay our 
individual. And uh, you know, it, it's okay to look for all the deductions that you know you're eligible for, but um, you know it's different in not wanting to report this income or that income. You know, who's going to know? And that's probably one place where you know they've come down tighter on rules. What probably in the last 20 years relating to tips. That just for the long time was, you know, it was all cash and kind of who knew. But you have to use your good judgment and your honesty in reporting those. Pay what is due. You collected it. You received it. It's owed. Remembering all the while that you get audited, it's just sheer dumb luck that you got caught because they thought an audit less than four-tenths of one percent this year. But that should not give you reason <laughs> to push to push the envelope. It may not give you reason, but it may give you some comfort. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but not into good conscience. You know, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience, as it says there in verse five. That um, yeah, because the one thing is, you know, bringing that up. If you did fudge. If you're like me, you're going, okay, am I going to be that 0.4%? You know, or am I going to be called upon? How, you know, and then you start trying to probably create all sort of scenarios of how you respond, so you probably dig a deeper hole. Uh, so pay now versus pay later. Um, if someone now would read verses 8 through 14... Okay, thank you. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore <coughs> love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immortality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Thank you, Mike. You know, he, he, he being Paul picks up, you know, owe no one anything except to love each other. That's not saying that we don't have debt, but it is saying pay your debt. You know, it says... No, owe no one anything. So, you know, if you're, you know, most of us nowadays have to, when they're, uh, you buy a house, particularly your first one, you're going to owe somebody. But you need to make that payment every month. You know, most of us have a credit card, and that's how we buy stuff, and then at the end of the month, we write a check to pay the credit card. That's fine, but don't sit there and try to weasel your way out of it. Um, but what are we to do? We're to love. You know, part of that love, you know, fulfills the law. 
or that not part of the law, but um, that love. But looking at Leviticus uh, chapter 19, verse 18, um, the latter part of that, uh, you know, verse um, 18b, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You know, how does God love us? That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to show that love that's been shown to us. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law and for the commandments. You know, look at them. You shall commit adultery. You shall murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. You know, and those commandments are summed up in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if I love my neighbor, whether it's the person right next door to me or in a more universal sense, I really can't do these things. I'm not showing respect. You know, I'm not, you know, committing adultery. I'm not showing love for my wife or love for, you know, the other person's spouse. Um, You know, if I'm murdering, I'm not showing love for somebody. I'm showing my anger. If I steal, I'm not showing love because, you know, hey, you know, here again, it says pay what you're to pay, you know. Revenues theirs, respect, whatever. And if I covet, I mean, that's, you know, that's wishing I had what they had. Um, that's jealousy or whatever. And what does that do? That tears me down as much as anything or more. So if I look and reflect that love that's talked about here, it almost makes it pretty tough to do these things that it says do not do because you're having that love that we're to have. And then he gets into and says, Besides this, you know the time, for that hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Now, Paul wasn't telling them, you know, some believed in the early church that Christ's return was going to be within a generation. And Paul's not saying here that a specific time, but, you know, the time will come and it's closer now than it was this morning. And he's saying when we first believed. So we're moving along that line. We don't know where Christ's coming again will be, but each moment we get closer whether it's one year, ten years, a hundred years, a thousand years, each moment it becomes closer. So we have to be ready. You know, when he says, wake from sleep, that's a metaphor for moral, uh, you know, um, to wake up and obey. You know, don't live a life of moral carelessness and laxity. You know, wake up. Be attentive and show that love that he was talking about there, which gets us back to, you know, it's a thanksgiving. I appeal to you there from uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, Therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You know, we're giving ourselves to God and... We're being ready to serve. 
And so we have to be ready. You know, the, uh, he's talking about the, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. You know, and it talks about things that follow that are tend to do at nighttime. You know, the Roman orgies and drunkenness. When were they? They were nighttime parties. They probably go all the way to, to daytime. Um, you know, some of the uh, would carry on. Uh, you know, and but don't be addicted to and partying, long time partying. It's one thing to go to, you know, to a party, whether it's you know a, a big gathering or a small gathering, but don't let these other things get taken out of hand. Um, you know, resist the sexual immorality and and not in quarreling and jealousy. So we've got, you know, we need to avoid activity that probably wouldn't get done in the light, you know, because um, sometimes we want to hide. And so do in the dark, uh, if you will, what you do in the light. You know, the social sins here, you know, you can see the addiction and the party and the sexual sins, but also the social sins about quarreling and jealousy, the anger, the bitterness we might have that creates problems. Those are the things right there Paul is saying we need to be aware of. And what do we need to do? It's putting on the armor of light, you know, the armor that we get and let, let the light of Jesus shine through. And so that armor lights up our lives. That light shows through. And that, you know, if we are loving each other, it makes it more difficult to do these other things. It's, it, it's the love that Christ had that we need to emulate, that we need to take on. And, you know, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify the desires. You know, those things that I would like to have, possibly, I can't let them overwhelm me. You know, just because somebody's got a bigger house, a fancier car, nicer clothing, pick what you want. I need to show, you know, I can be happy that they have that opportunity to get that and not feel the jealousy of, I want that big house, you know, uh, I want the Mac Mansion, uh, whatever, that that love of, of self needs to translate to the feeling we have for others. And that here again gets back how to live. You know, what Paul has been talking about in these last chapters is how we need to take on that righteousness that we have from Christ to be able to receive the benefits and enjoy them that we have. You know, we, we love, you know, here again, it's love, 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 and we hear that a lot, but that needs to be the guide, is what Paul is saying. You know, do those things that the law calls for. So he's trying, not trying, he's doing, he's tying for the Jewish members of the church there in Rome, the Mosaic law, with the law that Christ has for, you know, here again, love is fulfilling the commandments. He's trying to weave it all together so they understand it. And so they're not pulled apart um, by that. Any thoughts, comments? I have one. Yes, sir. Um, I 
totally believe that God can put anybody anywhere he wants to and has total control. Do you think that this is saying that we should assume that every elected official, whether it's the mayor, the president, the governor, the chairman of the county commissioners, are all put there by God, and that therefore we owe them respect and obedience and whatever? I mean, I, well, I kind of have a little trouble with that. So. Well. <laughs> Well, if you believe God's in control, the answer to that is yes. There is a reason. We may not understand that reason, but there is a reason. Well, do you think that, the, that following on, on that, that part of the reason is that we are expected to wave our hand if something's going wrong, if the guy's a crook or the guy's uh, blaspheming Well, you know, if he's, you know, here again, just think about when the Jews were in um, under Nebuchadnezzar, you know, whether it be Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, or Daniel, there were things that were contrary to God and obedience to God. So they sit and they've said very clearly, I will not obey. I will obey God first. But that's because, you know, they were being told to worship another God, a golden image. And that required, you had to make a decision, do I disobey God or do I disobey the authority? There, you go with obedience to God. But if it's not something that puts you contrary to what God says, then no, you stay with authority because it's told you will obey authorities. Now, if they're a crook or something, that doesn't say you let them go on day in and day out. No. I mean, go ahead. This is probably kind of one of the more troublesome passages about how to react to that. And it's it's hard to draw a line that you there there are several levels of authority. There's the moral authority is Jesus and God representing you, the civil authority. You may disagree with the civil authority, but you're bound to obey the civil law. That is to say, and I had this debate with an ex-cop of all people yesterday. He, he said the state of Alabama doesn't have any right to tell me to, ride, to wear a helmet when I'm riding my motorcycle. Well, I disagree. I think the state of Alabama does. And he is bound to obey that law. Now, the other side is the moral law that says thou shalt not kill. And that, of course, reflects in the civil law, too. And you are bound by that. And you are bound to do certain things under the moral law and under the Ten Commandments that don't ever that don't appear anywhere in the civil law. Uh, so you're you're bound by the civil law almost completely. You know, you, you can't cheat on your taxes. That's civil law. Uh, the question arises when somebody like a government official cheats on their taxes. 
or when an edict come down, comes down with which you disagree. Uh, for instance, the recent decisions on same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. You are bound by the law. <coughs> I'm bound morally right. to object to that and not participate, and I won't do it. There is no civil authority that can force me to do that. They're trying to have a law passed which says that no judge or person, person entitled for, to perform marriages will be required to. But isn't what this says in this passage here that uh, whoever the authority is, it's inflicted by God and therefore you need to do what they say? That's why I say there are two levels of authority. There's the moral and the civil authority. I think I, you're I, bad I over that. I just don't see that in the passage. That's well, you, you don't. And you don't there, mm -hmm. there are many and one things you don't see in this book that are issues that are raised in our day-to-day in -day life, some of which we take on faith alone, some of which we take because we understand that, that God has spoken to us on certain subjects, and we do owe obedience to him on those subjects. Uh, we do owe obedience. You know, it's just when I was in the Army, you, you may not like the guy, but I was bound to obey the, the legitimate orders of a commanding officer. Now, had that commanding officer told me, you will go out and kill those children over there so they won't grow up to be bad guys, I do have a morally vow not to obey that law. I agree with it. I, think, I agree with everything you just said, except I don't see that in this passage. Well, you, you're not going to. There are a lot of things you're not going to see in the passage. Well, okay. you know, I mean, you know, but when he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God, I think that's, that's yeah, and that's what got almost the Jews so tangled up prior to Christ coming in is they tried to, you know, not think through what the the Mosaic law was saying, but you just to try to figure out every possible caveat to say here's how you do it and not just to think through, you know, what does God want us to do? Does this, as opposed to having all these rules that you can't follow them anyway? When they expounded on the Ten Commandments, that's when our troubles began. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's to use, you know, that conscience. If and you know what is right for me may not be right necessarily for somebody else. I think when part of this is written by Paul at a time when government is the Roman Empire that's been there for hundreds of years it's going to be there for hundreds of more years and maybe that's all he could maybe just maybe I wonder whether this wasn't more specific and that he's saying that government it does provide some good services and order and we should support that but I also wonder whether he isn't being a little self-serving and that we're going to come before us like I'm going to come to Rome and if he would have, he could have left this out, this this chunk entirely. But he, what he couldn't put in there, I'm going to get to Rome and I'm going to tell you all that we should disobey everybody and launch an insurrection. Well, he's not going to do that. Maybe he's partly paving the way for his own time there, which could that's again also serving God's purpose. It's but. But I like you. You all have trouble. I can't accept the fact that 
everybody in authority, God has picked them to do that. Okay. It's tough. It's like we think, well, today, maybe we're Paul sitting here saying, well, what about the Boko Haram people? And what about ISIS and people who they're dedicated to killing Christians? They're in authority right now. They've, they've, they've got city hall. I just, you think he can't mean that. We don't. And as you said, we have some moral opposition, but there are places in the world, many places, countries, where there's somebody in charge who is evil. And it's, I don't think God did that. There's, it's like we, we talk to here, people, we all have some choice in, in what we do. We can, I think, this is, this is sort of striking here today, the second half of what we read, it tells us what we should do. But like it's, it's Pope Johnson is saying, we do have a, we're given a choice, and we don't always do right, and sometimes we do massively wrong. And it's one thing to say, geez, I wish I had your car, but just to leave it at that. Yeah. It's another thing to go and slaughter the next village for no good reason. There's just evil people out there. There are evil people, that, yes. And, you know, it, it, and it's tough to deal with. There is, you know, no easy answer. There's sickness in the world. Uh, there's evil in the world. There are things that happen to us that are not our own fault. We get cancer. We develop cancer. We are subject to an automobile accident that's maiming and disabling. God created the world good. If you read, if you read Genesis, every every day ends with and God saw it was good. But Adam and Eve. And us has messed it up. And that's why we have these things that happen that way. It's just hard to understand. I mean, the Roman authority was responsible for Jesus' death. I mean, just 30 or 40 years before this, right? This was written. Maybe not even that long. It's just hard to see where Paul's coming from here. <laughs> but even, but especially Jesus' death was part of God's plan. Yes, yes. And you didn't, I mean, you, just like Steve said, we don't always understand yes. what's coming down the road or how it fits into this plan. Well, I just, I don't, okay. I can understand. I mean, I think it was a good point because if you take the time that Paul was involved, if you understand, I can understand more, but it's, it's and I, when I read this, try to think, look at this as a guy in my daily life, that's where I have a problem with <laughs> well, this week, uh, Bishop Mike Hill's here. All that have heard him before know we're in for some treats and some good uh, messages this week. So, uh, come. Take care. Next week, we'll do chapter 14.